Well, hello, my friends, and welcome to another episode of Terror Radio Podcast. If this is your first time joining me, then welcome. This is a podcast dedicated in bringing you the best of horror and thriller, old-time radio broadcasts, as well as original stories. I am your host, Keith, a.k.a. The Radio Show Nerd. So, who's afraid of the big, bad wolf? Not I, said the cat. Wolf. Okay, anyway, (laughs) that's the title of the episode tonight. Who's afraid of the big, bad wolf? And I have found two spectacular stories that seem to bring to life the terror no pun intended, of such a, I guess we could say, myth, mythical creature. So, without further ado, this is Terror Radio. The two radio series highlighted tonight are Creeps by Night, hosted by Boris Karloff, and a favorite of ours, Escape. The first radio play is entitled, The Hunt. And this was first broadcasted on May 9th, 1944, on Creeps by Night. Following that is the radio play, Taboo. And this was first broadcasted on Escape, December 3rd, 1947. Now, you all know the drill. Sit back, turn down the lights, and listen to The Hunt followed by Taboo. Our scene is the Horton Farm, 
50 acres of rich grazing pasture almost on the edge of the Louisiana bayous. The legendary swampland that for centuries was the spawning ground of black magic and voodoo. The night is warm and dark, with heavy silence broken only by the hum of insects, the chirping of crickets, and the occasional deep-throated croak of a bullfrog off in the swamp. Suddenly, the shadowed outline of a human figure appears at the edge of a cypress grove behind the weather-beaten Horton house, and a soft, whistled signal rides the still night air. For a long moment, there is no response. Then, a door at the rear of the house opens quietly, and a girl crosses to the cypress grove, her eyes searching the darkness. Yeah? Right here, Julie. Jeff, you shouldn't have come. He didn't want his black moods tonight. I've got to go right back in here, kill me if he finds me here. He won't kill nobody. I'm getting fed up with him ruining your life, Julie. Got a mind to tell him a thing or two. It won't do any good, Jeff. What rights you got keeping you from getting some fun out of living? what I want to know. He's my brother. That don't give him no right to pin you up. You ain't one of his stinking sheep. Jeff, please, not so loud. He'll hear you. I don't much care if he does. See, Jeff. I'll be the one to suffer. Oh, I'm sorry, Julie. When it makes me mad, clean through when I think of him treating you the way he does. I want to marry you, Julie, and take you away from here. The story's going around the village. What do you mean, Jeff? I don't like to say it, Julie, but the folks are talking about your brother, Loomis. Talking? I don't understand. Well, Buck Peebley and Bill Mason come through here night four last hunting coon. Said they saw Loomis out in the east pasture, digging a grave. A grave? Yeah. He's burying something. You know what it was, Julie? Got any idea? No. I don't, Jeff. Oh, I shouldn't be telling you this, yes. It won't go no further, Julie. Promise. Hope to die. Well, I... I heard Loomis talking with the hired man. I heard him say something comes out of the swamp at night. Out of the swamp? Yes. They don't know what it is. But come dark, Loomis hardly never goes without his shotgun. Uh, Sound like voodoo to me, Julie. I've got to take you away from here. It ain't healthy. Oh, you can't, Jeff. Not till I'm 18. Not for two months yet. How am I going to sit around for two months thinking about you shut up in a house with that crazy man? You've got no right to say that, Jeff. I've got every right. Digging graves at night. Burying Lord knows what and talking about things coming out of the swamp. I ought to say something to him about all this. You can say it right now. Oh. Uh, Eden, Miss Horton. Get back into the house, Julie. Hold on a minute, Mr. Horton. Get into the house. I'm going, Loomis. Bye, Julie, wait. Let her go. You've got no right treating her like you do. i got a right to do as I please. She's my sister and she's underage. Now get off my land and don't come back. If I catch you here again, I'll horsewhip you. I don't scare easy, Mr. Horton. No? Perhaps i got something in the house that may change your mind. I'll give you five minutes to get off my land. I'll leave when I'm good and ready and not before. I'm going back indoors for a shotgun. And if you're still here when I come out again, you'll get a load of buckshot. Remember that. Dirty low-down skunk. Just let me catch him once off his own land. Just once. I'll beat his ugly head off. 
What's that? Feeling like a wolf. Only there ain't no wolves out here. No. There ain't a wolf crowd. Come around. Come closer. I'm sneaking through the tiger skull. I wonder what it is. Maybe I better... Not much I can tell you, Professor Taylor, except that it happened five weeks ago. The police moved in on the case right after the boy's body was found. Frankly, we didn't get very far. It's still an unsolved mystery. I see. Uh, you know, of course, why I'm here, Sergeant. Well, all I know is we had a letter from the state university saying you were coming down to do some research on the case. Yes, yes, exactly. Now, as I understand it, Sergeant, uh, the boy's throat was considerably lacerated. Worse than that. There wasn't any throat left. You're convinced it was an animal. Well, what else could it be? No human could let the throat open like that. Were there any tracks? No, and the ground was pretty hard. And what stopped as cold was our bloodhound couldn't pick up a trace of scent. No animal scent anyhow. Uh, how about human? Well, only the Hortons and the hired man, Andrew. They don't count. Thing happened on Horton land, so naturally you'd expect it. Yes, 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 of course. Uh, tell me, uh, this Horton you mentioned... Uh, Loomis Horton, his name is. Uh, does he keep a dog... A savage dog? No, he won't allow one on the place. He investigated the dog angle, but there isn't one like that in the whole parish. Uh, curious. Very curious. Uh, where is the Horton Farm located, Sergeant? About seven miles out of town. County Road. Did the boy live or work there? No, no. According to Horton's story, Jeff Tuttle was calling on young Julie. Uh, she's Horton's sister. Jeff left about 9.30, and a few minutes later, Horton heard him screaming for help. Horton ran out the back of the house, found Jeff at the edge of a cypress grove. Still in bed. Mm-hmm. I'd like a little talk with this Horton, uh, Sergeant. Well, I don't know. He's a queer duck. Doesn't take much to strangers. And doesn't take much to anybody, as a matter of fact. Really? Well, he puts in most of his time looking at his farm and his sheep. Keeps one hired man. Between the two of them, they manage pretty well. Then there's his young sister, the girl Jeff Tuttle was calling on. He doesn't let her out of his sight. Keeps pretty much cooped up in the house. Uh, Nice-looking girl, too. Mm -hmm. Uh, Would it be possible to drive out to the Horton farm tonight, Sergeant? Let's see. uh, Ten minutes to eight. It's dark by the time we get there. You're not afraid of the dark, are you? I'm not afraid of anything I can see. Let's go. Reminded me of one. Well, we don't. We don't have wolves in this section, Professor. Oh, yes, yes, I know. 
Uh, Sergeant, I think it's time I told you the kind of research I intend doing. Uh, do you know what lycanthropy is? Uh, no, can't say I do. Well, it's a form of madness, a disease of the mind. Those who are afflicted with it imagine they've turned into wild animals. Uh. They develop a taste for blood and often commit violence when the spasm seizes them. Once the seizure is over, they return to normalcy with no knowledge of what occurred. Sounds pretty horrible. Yes, it is horrible. You understand there's no physical change except the deepening of the voice, as far as we know. Uh, well, it be as far as you know. Well, some authorities believe the disease may be so deeply rooted in certain human beings that when a spasm seizes them, their actual physical appearance is altered. They take on the form as well as the habits of wild beasts. They're called werewolves, men who turn into wolves. Well, what's the matter, Sergeant? Why did you jump? It uh, just kind of hit me. Bloodhounds not finding any animal scent, and, and, and that gray thing we just saw running across the room. Uh, we mustn't leap to conclusions, Sergeant. No true werewolf has ever been found, although there are many alleged eyewitness accounts claiming that such creatures have been seen, particularly in the Balkan countries of Europe. Thus far, though, we have no positive scientific proof that werewolves really exist. Uh -huh. Hope they don't. So do I, Sergeant. I devoutly hope so. That's the case of this young man whose throat was... Uh, Torn out presents some aspects I'd like to investigate. I'm uh, beginning to see what you're thinking about. I suggest we drive on to the Horton Farm, Sergeant. Uh, doesn't seem to be anyone home. The light upstairs, out in the parlor. Something goes out at night. How old a man would you say he is? Oh, 45, 6. Somebody's coming. Yes? Who is it? Uh, Sergeant Moran, State Police. Just a moment. Sounds a little loud, Don't be scared when you see him, Professor. He's not too pretty to look at. Sorry <laughs> to disturb you, Mr. Horton, but... Uh, what do you want? <laughs> this is uh, Professor Taylor, State University. Uh, I'm pleased to meet you, Mr. Horton. Yes? What is it? Uh, may we come in? I was just going to bed. Well, we'll be just a few minutes. After you, Professor. Thank you. Professor Taylor came down from the university to do a little investigating on Jeff Tuttle's case, Mr. Horton. I'd like to ask you a few questions. Sick and tired of answering questions. I've told you all I know. What more do you want? Um, you can explain it better than I can, Professor. Go ahead. Uh, yes, of course. Uh, well, you see, uh, Mr. Horton, my investigation is purely scientific. It has nothing whatsoever to do with the police. Now, I'm merely trying to determine whether the brutal attack on the young man was made by a human or an animal. Or perhaps a combination of both. I don't know what you're talking about. Well, you've heard of werewolves, haven't you, Mr. Horton? No, and I'm not interested. I told you I've had enough of questions. Hasn't a, hasn't a man a right to a little privacy? Well, no need to get sore about it, Horton. I don't like being questioned. I don't like to have people barging in on me at all hours of the night. This is my house, and I'm going to live in it the way I see fit, which means without uninvited visitors. Uh, of course, Mr. Horton, it isn't my intention. And another thing. I own the property from the county road to the bayou and north to Kurt Silt's pasture. If you took the time to notice, the land's posted. Now, this is a warning. The next person, man, woman, or child, who sets foot on my land is going to get a load of buckshot. Is that clear? 
You're in a bad humor tonight, Horton. Never mind my bad humor. Get out. Both of you. Get out and stay out. Julie, what are you doing in the kitchen? Didn't I tell you to stay up in your room? But, Lou, Richard... Don't! How you dare come down that rear stairway when my back's turned? I just wanted to find out if you'd asked Andrew about my lamb. How many were killed? Get upstairs to your room or I'll... Go and, Lou, don't be angry. I, uh, presume that was your sister, Mr. Horton? Lovely girl. Good night, gentlemen. Get off my property and don't come back unless you're invited. I'm sorry, Professor. Uh, looks like we're being asked to leave. Oh, it's quite all right. Thank you anyway, Mr. Horton. Perhaps some other evening you'll grant me a few minutes of your time. Uh, now you know what sort of a job we had with him. I must say he isn't very sociable. Yeah, watch the steps. They're not too solid. Oh, yeah. Uh, his sister doesn't resemble him in the least. Oh, he's rather pretty. Do you hear how he screamed at us? Yes. Poor child. Might as well head back to town, I guess. Horton didn't rise to your bait when you mentioned werewolves, so looks like a hunt will be the next best thing. A hunt, Sergeant? Yes. Get a bunch of men together and beat the sapper's crows for that, that animal we saw crossing the road. Might even risk going into the swamp. Wolf or whatever it is, I won't be satisfied unless killed. I'm afraid I feel the same way, Sergeant. But before you... Organize a hunt. I wonder if it's safe to do a little snooping around here first. What do you mean? Something the girl said disturbed me. Something about lambs being killed. That's right. She did say she wanted to know if Horton's hired man had told him how many of her lambs were killed. Yes, and that may be significant. Werewolves are supposedly fond of slaughtering sheep. Uh, do you think we might talk with the hired man? Chances are he's over in the barn. He's got a room there built out of a horse dog. Take a look. Uh, might be a good idea. It's over this way. Keep an eye out for Horton. He may come gunning for us. I don't trust him. Uh, I wouldn't be too concerned. Men who rant and roar are rarely dangerous. Wait a minute, Professor. Hold up. What is it? Somebody's hiding behind that bush on your left. All right. Come on, put your hands up or I'll shoot. Watch your Sergeant. Find your flash on him, Professor. Yes, yes, certainly. There. Andrew, hired man. I ain't done nothing. Well, Mr. I ain't. Why were you hiding behind that bush? I, I got scared. I heard voices in, in the gravel. What were you doing out here? Burying the sheep and the lambs. What was that? Since when do you bury sheep and lambs? Well, he's got to be. Mr. Holton said so. They run afoul of the critter. What critter? Only the Lord knows. We've got strange goings on around here. Mighty strange. Always said it was too close to the bayou. Tain't healthy. Them swamps is full of things. Uh, where are you burying the sheep, Andrew? Right over there. Put them in the truck guard, Mr. Horton said. Good and deep. Uh, let's have a look at them, Sergeant. All right. See? There they are. Four ewes and two of Miss Julie's baby lambs. All with their throats torn out. Yeah. It's the critter from the swamps. Same one got Jeff Tuttle. Uh, when did this happen, Andrew? Mm, the lambs got took night before last. We lost three ewes on Sunday and one last night. Has it ever happened before? Been going on most two years. Not regular, though. Oh, months will go by and the critters don't show up. I took a shot at him once, it did. When was this? Last spring. Seen him behind the pump house. About to scare me half to death. 
way his eyes glowed like the swamp fire. Wasn't time to draw no beads. Missed him, I guess. What did he look like, Andrew? Couldn't tell. Too dark. All I seen was his eyes glowing yellow. Might have been a sheep-killing collar, though. Uh, one of them wild ones. Uh, I very much doubt it. Uh, you're thinking of what we saw on the road tonight, uh, Professor? That uh, animal, whatever it was. Yes, if it was an animal. Why do you say that? Just look at these dead sheep. See where I'm flashing my lights? Their back legs there. An ordinary animal would have nipped the legs and torn at their rumps. There's not a mark on them, except at their throats. Somebody's coming. Grab it, crunching. Must be Horton. Back behind the bush, Professor. We don't want him to catch us here. Don't say anything, Andrew. Keep low. Here comes. By the bush. How long is it going to take you to get those carcasses, Belly? All night? It ain't too easy in the dark. Do better with a lantern. I told you, no light. Hand me the other spade. I'll help you. Start shoveling. Hmm. Kind of like a shame to be putting good meat underground. How many times must I tell you it isn't good meat? Poison. Don't look poison. I say it is. And I'm warning you. Shut your mouth about it. You hear that, Sergeant? Yeah. I'm going to try to sneak back to the house and talk to the girl. You better come with me. All right. Keep down and follow the path, but stay off the gravel. I've got a hunch we're going to uncover something tonight. Yes. Perhaps more than we realize. Take it easy. She's with Professor Taylor. We're, 
going to take her away from here. You're going to take her away. <laughs> You're going to take her away. Over my dead body. Over your fool, Horton. Put that face down. Put it somewhere is the werewolf waiting to drink your blood. And you desperately desire the impossible. 
to escape. Escape, produced and directed by William N. Robeson, and carefully plotted to free you from the four walls of today for a half hour of high adventure. Tonight we escape to the backward world of Eastern Europe, where ancient superstitions still live in the minds of men. Tonight we escape with Jeffrey Household's grim story, Taboo. semi-civilized peoples, there has always been widespread belief in werewolves, those fantastic creatures supposedly able to turn from man or woman into wolf and back again at will. This belief is still widespread among the simple folk of eastern Hungary, in the district around Zweibergen, high in the gloomy Carpathian Mountains, and I must admit not without some reason. Before the late war, I often spent my vacations in that area, drawn to the dark loneliness by the pool of my Slavic blood. It was the same with her, perhaps, and our kindred ancestry no doubt drew us together. Her name was Kira Vaughan, and she was there with her husband, a pleasant young Englishman. They were obviously much in love, and I felt almost like an intruder when I found myself the only other vacationer in the village. However, they made me welcome and invited me to dinner. It was an excellent dinner. Won't you have some more strawberries, Mr. Shirabia? Huh? <laughs> Thank you, no, Mrs. Vaughan. I've eaten far too much already. I cannot say when I've had so excellent a dinner. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, I'm sure I shall get nothing like it at the inn. I should hate to have to stay at the inn. You see, Shirabia, my wife is one of those delightful creatures who cannot stand to be shut in. She must run free, preferably in the woods, with her hair streaming in the wind. She's quite unusual. Indeed she is, my dear Vaughan. And you may count yourself most fortunate. Oh, I do, I do. Where else should I find so good a cook? Oh, very <laughs> true. I've never tasted um, venison quite like that tonight. Delightful. Thank you. Another of her little victories. She delights in outdoing the ordinary housewife. She disdains the village shop and gets her meat right off the hoof. Oh? You do your own hunting? Oh, dear, no. Not that. She's much too kind-hearted and loving a person for that. She's found a new source. The district game warden brings fresh venison to our door. Oh, it's not he, but his son. True, the game warden's slightly moronic son, who is, I'm sure, in love with her. Oh, that's ridiculous. Oh, not so. It's quite understandable. I'm beginning to fall in love with her myself. <laughs> you see, my dear. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Seriously, though, I can understand this wild desire to be free. This wish to, as you put it, run in the woods with the wind in your hair. It is some legacy of our Slavic blood, no doubt. Yours and... Mine and the game warden's moronic son. Somehow we feel at home in these dark forests. Oh, you too. Yes. And I don't. I confess it, I don't. There's something here that frightens me. Something strange and inhuman and taboo. Darling. I'll confess something, Kiraviev. I don't like Kira to go out into these forests alone. Maybe I'm afraid that someday this emotional impulse of hers will get the better of her and she'll just disappear. Like those two men last week. Oh? What was that? Did I miss some exciting happening? No, not really. Though no, you'd think so to hear the villagers talk. A fellow coming home through the woods after dark just disappeared. Probably got fed up with life here in the village and lit out for Budapest. And, uh, 
What about the other one? Oh, yes. Well, a search party went out the next day to look for the fellow. When they got back, they found one of their party was missing. <laughs> Evidently, he'd taken the opportunity to skip out, too. Is that what you really think? Oh, why not, my dear? If those men had been done away with, it might have been by something supernatural. And there's no such thing. But might it not have been some wild animal? Oh, the bears around here are harmless and the wolves are not in pack. At any rate, there would have been some sign, some blood, track, something. There was nothing. They simply disappeared, vanished, skipped out. Richard, how can you be so careless? You see the paradox? My wife, who loves the woods, believes the fantastic tales of the villagers. I, who confess to finding the woods strange and frightening, do not believe them. Perhaps it is because you are frightened that you are afraid to believe them. Uh, what do the villagers say? Well, you know this district well enough. They're talking of werewolves and such tommy rot. Oh, it's utterly fantastic. Yes, to you, an Englishman, it would be. And it isn't to you? Fantastic, yes, I suppose. But perhaps Mrs. Vaughan and I, who feel at home in this forest, can understand and believe such fantasy a little more easily than you. Yes. I remember many times as a child. I dreamt of being an animal. I thought then that I would love it. The freedom of the forest. Exactly. That primitive instinct is so deep within us all. A heritage of some dim, distant past. In us Slavs, it lies closer to the surface. It takes very little to bring it to light. Yes, it is true. Well, you've placed my wife in a new life, Shuravia. You'll have me suspecting her of changing into a wolf and running out to the forest to murder people. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh please, boy. <laughs> you take me too literally. And besides, it is a shame to spoil so delightful a dinner with so gloomy a conversation. Right. Shall we go into the living room? There's a cheerful fire in there. Oh, yes? Uh, what is it, Frida? Beg your pardon, sir. But a message just came from the village. Oh? What is it? They want you and Mr. Sheraviev to come down there now. They're organizing another search party. What? Yes. There's another man missing. <gasps> Kira! Catch her, Sheraviev. She's fainted. It was only then I realized that these people were under a terrible tension. I was to learn very quickly that the whole village shared it. Every able-bodied man in the district was at the inn when we arrived. The magistrate explained the situation. The grocer. He went into the forest late this afternoon, hoping to bag a black cock for his supper. A little after dusk, a solitary shot was heard. That was three hours ago, and he has not returned. But only three hours? Isn't there a chance that he might still return? A chance, perhaps, but the other two did not. It will do no harm to search for him. We may still be in time to save his life. We searched most of the night, and then next morning, Vaughn and I went out again. We climbed to my favorite spot for hunting black cock, and then followed the trail down to the village, the trail the missing grocer would have taken. I was beginning to be a little exasperated at Vaughn. He seemed to be so casual and uninterested as if he were convinced that this one, too, had merely skipped out. But I underestimated him. He was a skilled tracker, and suddenly he did show some interest. Wait a minute. Someone has turned aside from the path here. Hmm? He was in a hurry. I wonder why. Hmm. I think you are right. There are some broken branches. Why? Why here? It's hardly likely anyone would go plunging into that thicket unless he had a reason. Uh, wait, wait. See that big white rock behind the thicket? When you're being followed, it's comforting to have a clear space around you. 
You'd feel safe up on top of that rock with a gun in your hands if you got there in time. You may be right. Let's go up. Right We forced our way through the underbrush to the rock. It was 30 feet high on the downslope side, and a hot spring at the foot of it bubbled out of the cavity scarcely two feet wide. We made our way up to the slope around it and came out on top. There was nothing there except for some ivy in the cracks and one small stunted tree. Aha! Look, look at that. Hmm? Where? The, the tree. The entire base has been shattered by a charge at close quarters. Perhaps that was the shot that was heard. Well, you're right, it must be. They say... They say there is always a tree between you and it. What do you mean, it? The werewolf. <laughs> well, this must have been a baby one, then. That mark is only six inches off the ground. No, I think the man's gun went off as he fell. Perhaps he was followed too close as he scrambled up. About, uh, about here would be where his body would have fallen. Do you see anything? I don't. Hmm. No blood stain. Yeah, well, wait, wait. Look, look here. Hmm? Oh, but it's just a tiny spot. Well, it's enough. It's blood, all right. And something more. A tiny bit of tissue. Let me see. Yes. Brain tissue. It must have come from a deep wound in the skull, made by something like an arrow or a bird's beak. Or maybe even a sharp tooth. Mm-hmm. But where's the body? There is absolutely no other sign. No evidence of it's being dragged off anywhere. No, I can't see any either. It's very strange. But at least we know one thing, Vaughn. This man did not just skip out. This man was dead or dying. When we brought our information back, the excitement of the village mounted. The peasants crossed themselves, and at the inn, the old tales were being told. That's old Weiss, the game warden, talking now, and Josef Weiss, his son beside him. The moronic son? Yes, the old man was a character, too. Listen. The biggest one my grandfather had seen, and it followed him in the forest. Time after time, he met it at twilight outside his cabin. And time after time, he fired at it point blank. But he couldn't hurt it. Then he pounded a silver panger and loaded his gun with it. One shot and the wolf disappeared. But next day, they found Heinrich the cobbler dying in his house with a beaten silver coin in his belly. Fools! You believe such stupid talk? Joseph! My grandfather used to tell the same story. Only when he told it, it happened to his grandfather. Anyone can see it didn't happen at all. Such things can't happen. Joseph, you call your father a liar? I do. Well, far from being a moron, Joseph seems to have more sense than the others. Mm, Perhaps. Uh, Joseph, uh, you're not afraid of this werewolf, then, eh? I? No. Why not? The whole village is frightened. I'm used to walking alone in the woods at night. You've got to be a part of the forest, and you'll not be afraid of it. You do believe in werewolves, then, eh? I don't say a man can turn into a wolf, no. But I can understand why he'd want to. Hmm. Your theory again, Shravyev. Yes. I... I think I understand that, too, Josef. But what does it feel like? It it feels as if the woods had got under your skin and you want to walk wild and crouch at the knees. Yes. I think he's perfectly right. And uh, 
You, uh, you explain it by some primitive urge? Possibly. There may be many reasons. Physical hunger could be one. We sometimes forget that man was once a fleet-footed hunting animal with all the necessary instincts. Hunger? Ah, yes, we all know about that. About what it can do to a man. Ah, I've been trapped in a cliff for five days, I know. None of you have suffered hunger as we did in the prison camp during the war. None of you knows what it is to eat. Joseph, let's not talk about it. He, He gets so upset remembering. Well... We'll have to go on searching for the body and for the werewolf. You'll not find it. Not until you arm yourselves with silver bullets. Perhaps it is gone now, whatever it is. The search parties may have frightened it away. It wasn't frightened by the first search party. It simply took one of them. Now it is still here. And it will strike again. You may be sure of that. <laughs> The whole village believed that Josef Weiss was right. They traveled in the woods by twos now. No one went alone. For a week, village life was disrupted. The men beat the forest. The women tried to comfort each other. Kira wore herself out trying to be useful. The village women could not help loving her. But there was something else. Something strange. One day I spoke to Frida, the maid, about it. Ah, yes, she is a strange one, Mr. Sharivia. Even now I have seen her going out to walk alone in the woods at twilight. The women in the village think she is possessed. What do you mean, possessed? I I hesitate to say, sir. Come, tell me. They are beginning to say sometimes the werewolf can be a woman. At first, the suggestion seemed so ridiculous to me that I hesitated to speak of it. But then I decided to tell Vaughn before this rumor could reach Kira herself. He was naturally much upset. That settles it, Shiravit. We've got to do something. Something, yes, but what? There's only one thing we can do. Track down this supposed werewolf. But that's what we've been trying to do for a week. How can we do... It's really very simple. We'll offer him bait. Bait? Who will be this bait? You and I, Shiradyev. If you're game. I, yes, of course I'm game. Good. But how? Are you going to tie me to a tree and watch out with a gun? That's about right. Only we needn't tie you up. And since it was my idea, you can have first turn with the gun. Are you a good shot? Right. This is no time for false modesty. Yes, I'm a good shot. Very well. It'll be night, and we'll have to shoot with only the moonlight. Where do we go? To the rock? Exactly. And the sooner the better. Tonight... Tonight. And say nothing, absolutely nothing, to anybody. Especially to Kira. I understand. This is between us. Either we win, or we simply disappear. It was difficult getting away without telling Kira what we were going to do. She seemed to sense that something was wrong, and she sat staring after us with strange, angry eyes... In the village, Vaughn and I parted and made our ways to the rock separately. I reached there first and settled myself on top of the rock, almost covered by the ivy, the gun across my knees. Presently, Vaughn appeared on the path, and I gave the signal that I was there and ready. The trek was set. In the eerie stillness of the dark forest, we waited. 
Osborne paced slowly on the path. I kept the gun sight trained a yard in back of him as he walked. Minutes passed in silence. Hours went by. Nothing happened. It was almost midnight, the end of our vigil. Vaughn waved his hand and started off down the trail. He would go fast in case he was followed, taking a shortcut down an old timber slide. He'd be in the village in ten minutes. I was to follow presently. And then suddenly I got an intense feeling of dread. I was alone on the rock. My spine tingled, and then I heard it a quick rustle in the ivy behind me. Something brushed my face. I... It was only a bird. A night bird had lit in the ivy and now swooshed past me and flew away. My nerves were still tingling when I got back to the village. Next day, when I went to see Vaughn, he gave me a warning glance. Kira was suspicious. I could see the question in her eyes when she greeted me. So, here is the other culprit. Which of you is most to blame for keeping such late hours? Why, I suppose to keep peace in the family, I, I should say it is I. No, you can't get him off that easily. I'm the only culprit, my dear. You see, I've never hunted deer at night. I asked Shuraviev to help me. I suppose you shoot the poor things while they sleep. Oh, no, while they're having their dinner, if possible. <laughs> You're cruel and heartless, both of you. Oh, it's no use letting her start an argument, Shuraviev. Uh, I'll go get us a drink. Oh, yes, thank you. I'd like that. Why... Why do you look at me like that? Was the hunting good last night? No, not very. And we didn't get anything, as you see. I'm afraid you'll still have to depend upon Josef for your venison. Where did you hunt? Why, simply in the forest. Nowhere in particular. You're not telling me the truth, are you? My dear, I, I don't know what you're thinking, but I assure you... Oh, never mind. I suppose it is best I don't know. But take care of him, please. Of course I will. If anything should happen to him. But what could happen? You know. You understand these things. That night I was the bait. And I confess, walking there on the moonlit path, the dense undergrowth pressing close on both sides, the forest all around me, that I felt a strange terror. But nothing happened. Once, a bear ambled across the path, paused, sniffed, and disappeared into the brush. Then a little later, I thought I saw a flicker of white in the clearing below. But it never reappeared, and I decided it must have been a ripple of grass in the moonlight. At midnight, we returned to the village, and I was beginning to wonder if our trap would ever be sprung. We must keep on, Shiraviev. I have a feeling that tomorrow night, perhaps, or the next night... I'm game as long as you are, but... So far, we've only lost sleep. I've got to keep on. Have you forgotten about Kira? The things they're saying about her? No, of course not. But surely these people would not do anything to her. It's not that. It's what it might do to her spirit if she were to hear those insane rumors. She's so sensitive. I, I don't like to think about it. Then shall we go out again tomorrow night? Yes. You must come to dinner, though, first. Vice is bringing down more venison. Kira will want you to come. All right. Till tomorrow night, then. After dinner, we went out for our third night on the rock. Vaughn was the bait tonight, and I the watcher. The forest was alive with sound. A deer coughed. The bear came ambling back as woolly and harmless as a dog. I was watching him when 
Suddenly he paused and sniffed the air and disappeared into the trees. The animal sounds quieted one by one and a tense stillness fell over the forest. My hand tightened on the gun and suddenly I saw it. That flicker of white moving fast through the trees. It was coming up the path toward Vaughn, a soft, bulky white blur coming surprisingly fast. Vaughn's back was turned. He did not see it. My finger tightened on the trigger. It was only a few yards away when he turned. Get up! I started to press the trigger. No, Shara, no! Richard! Shara, what are you doing here? Oh, darling, I'm looking for you. I looked last night, too. Oh, Richard. Shara, you shouldn't have. It was foolish, terribly foolish. Richard, there was something after me. I know it. That's why I was running. Shara, you shouldn't be out here alone. But what about you? Where's Chiravir? He's up there on the rock, covering me with his rifle. I'm perfectly safe. I'll show you. I'll hold out my handkerchief like this. Now, Chiravir, put a hole in that. I stared for a moment at the white square of handkerchief, then at the white of her coat. My lips were dry. My finger felt numb on the trigger. Come on, Chiravir, the handkerchief. Please, God, don't let me miss. There, you see, my dear? I'm perfectly safe. They went down the path together, and I followed after a moment. A hundred yards from the timber slide, I knew I was being followed. Even before I heard something in the brush behind me, I stopped and turned around. It moved past me, cutting off my retreat. Now I stood alone in terror, but it was still in the brush. If only I could make the timber slide. I got down safely. I went straight to Vaughn. He came out of the house to talk to me. I told him what had happened. His reaction surprised me. Shiraviev, I'm sorry. I had to leave you up there to face it alone. But I had to bring her down. Of course, I know that. And you must believe this. She never left me. We came down together, arm in arm. We came straight down. You must believe that. But of course, why should I think differently? Then, then you must realize, whoever it was up there in the brush following you, it couldn't have been Kira. Good heavens, Vaughn. Do you think I believe that preposterous story? Well, didn't you? Even up there on the rock, when you hesitated about firing at the handkerchief, didn't you believe it might be Kira? No. Why, no, of course not. But I did. Vaughn knew my thoughts almost better than I knew them myself. Yes, that was why my lips were dry and my finger numb when I pressed the trigger. I had refused to admit it even to myself. And now was I sure, even now. That night, Vaughn was excited. We're going to get it tonight. After last night, it'll be there waiting for us. Yes, I think you are right. But if you are, we wouldn't want anyone else to come walking in on us. It might cause confusion. Don't worry. Kira has promised to stay at home. She says we're doing our duty and she won't interfere. Do you think this is our duty? No. Neither do I. I never feel that anything I enjoy can be my duty. And now, I really enjoy this. Tonight, I'd like to be the bait. No, it's my turn. I won't give it up. Besides, if it's the revenge you want, you have the gun. That's so. All right, then. Tonight, you'll be the bait. That night, for the first time, I regretted ever getting into this mess. As I paced up and down the path, my nervousness grew. Tonight, it would surely come. I felt it. But would Vaughn shoot straight and quick enough? The hours went by. Clouds kept scudding over the moon, leaving me in deep darkness for minutes at a time. I was really beginning to be frightened. Then a fraction of a second before it happened, I knew it was coming. There was a hot breath on my neck, a crushing weight on my shoulder, something hard against my skull, and the crack of... Oh! 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 Bond! 
Gone. Shurabiev, are you all right? Yes, I think so. What was it? A man. I'm going to. Come on. I'm going in after him. All right, I'm coming. Vaughn, where did he go? I hardly believe it. But he went right into this hot spring under the rock. But there's hardly opening enough for a rab. He went under the water. Come on. Wait, Vaughn. I'm coming with you. We plunged into the spring, wriggling our way forward, not knowing what to expect. Vaughn held the rifle high above the water, but there wasn't room enough for our heads. We had to hold our breath and plunge forward. Luckily, it was only a few feet. I emerged and took a breath. Then I heard Vaughn fire. Oh, got him. Where? Shine the flashlight. There, at the other side of the cave. Yes. Who would have thought there would be a cave here? Not that anyone could have gotten through that spring. It was a perfect hiding place. Yes, but it does him no good now. Turn him over. Let's see who our werewolf is. Yes. Well, it's Weiss. Joseph Weiss, the game warden's son. Oh, why didn't we think of that? We all knew he was not quite sane. More than that, he almost told us. Remember, he said, I do not believe a man can turn himself into a wolf. But I know why he'd want to. Yes, and he described the feeling to walk wild and crouch at the knees. He knew that feeling. He knew it too well. Beside Josef Weiss, we found a murder weapon. It was a patented animal killer, a heavy, heavy iron muzzle that gripped the scalp, a heavy spike that was released by a spring. His hiding place was even more perfect than we had supposed. When the magistrate investigated, he found a passage from that cave which led underground for more than a mile, and finally to the game warden's house where a ladder led into his cellar. Undoubtedly, Weiss found that dry underground river one day and realized he could use it. Perhaps that is what caused his mind to snap. Yes. It released a long pent-up spring in him, like that weapon he used. He saw that he could run in the woods like an animal, disappearing and reappearing with perfect safety. It even offered a place to bury his victims without a trace. And so your theory proved correct, that there's a murderous, primitive instinct lurking in some people. Yes. Well, it's all explained excepting what he did with the bodies. It would serve no useful purpose to speculate on that now. Yes, I suppose you're right. Kira, you haven't said anything. Why did you have to shoot him? Kira, he was a murderer. He tried to murder Shuravyev. Is it murder when a wolf kills? A dumb animal? Flattened of intruders? Kira! You understand what I mean, don't you, Shuravyev? You understood that night when you shot the handkerchief. Just as I have. It might have happened to any of us, you see. Kira, what do you mean? Take me away from here, Richard. Just take me away quickly. Escape is produced and directed by William N. Robson, and tonight brought you Taboo by Jeffrey Household, adapted for radio by John Dunkel with Paul Fries as Shiravyev, Marta Mitrovich as Kira, and Morgan Farley as Vaughn. The special musical score was conceived and conducted by Cy Fuhr. Next week... You are standing on a bridge over Owl Creek with a noose around your neck. You have only a few seconds left to live, a few seconds left to plan your... Escape. 
Next week, we escape with Ambrose Bierce's famous story, An Occurrence at Owl Creek Bridge. Good night, then, until the same time next week when we again offer you Escape. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. That's the show for tonight. I want to thank you all for listening. And remember, you can find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash terror 1970. Or you can find me on Instagram at Radio Show Nerd. Or on Twitter at Radio Show Nerd 1. And if you want to drop me a line, say hello, make a suggestion, a request, a even a critique, respectfully, feel free to email me at radioshownerd at gmail.com. I also have a YouTube channel that just hit a thousand subscribers. Thank you very much. Check it out. Subscribe. Share the videos. Highly appreciate it. Again, this is your host, Keith, aka The Radio Show Nerd, signing off. <laughs>